You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 137. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back, my friends. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you for another episode of College Success Habits. For those of you enjoying yourselves this summer and having a blast, more power to you. For those of you who continue to listen, then awesome. For those of you listening in the archives, love having you here. Today, we're going to talk about stigma. And there's a lot of stigma that is going on around the college environment. There's a lot of stigmas that are happening in our society in general. And when we discuss stigma, um, there is a a definition that came from the California Strategic Plan on Reducing Mental Health Stigma and Discrimination that says, stigma refers to attitudes and beliefs that lead people to reject, avoid, or fear those they perceive as being different. I'm going to repeat that because I think it's extremely important in this day and age. And in fact, it's not just now. This was happening even in the 90s and 80s and 50s and 20s. This has been happening since the dawn of humans. Um, This stigma that refers to attitudes and beliefs that lead people to reject, avoid, or fear those they perceive as being different. You go back to the beginning of civilization, right? Let's hearken back to when we were all cavemen and women and people and living in the caves and lucky to not be eaten by a saber-toothed cat and freeze to death on any given day or dehydrate because water was so far away. Somebody from another tribe would be rejected or avoided or feared because they would be perceived as being different because they would have a different dialect. They'd have a different skin tone. They would have a different facial structure. They would eat things differently. They would just behave differently because those in the same tribe tend to behave similarly in order to maintain the cohesiveness of the tribe. So with these attitudes and beliefs that were leading other cave people to treat other cave people differently, this was the dawn of stigma. And now we can fast forward to now No reason to stay back in the ancient times too long. And ask yourself, where is your life full full of or having different variations of influence of stigma? Think about some of the stigmas that we have just through our natural filtering and processing of our brains. And we've talked about how the way the, the brain filters and processes through time and energy experiences. Uh, differences and similarities in people, uh, delete, distort, generalize, attitudes, beliefs, values. All of these things are taken into consideration whenever your unconscious mind takes in millions of bits of data a second and only allows, it's not even that it only allows your conscious mind to take in 126 or 0.0006%. It's just the fact that your conscious mind cannot grasp the depth of which life is being experienced by the mind. So the unconscious mind does 99.9994% of it all. It has to. It has, it's just it's just the way that it is. Or if you had to think about breathing, we never would have left the cave. We would have died because the moment we needed to chase after food, we would have forgot we were supposed to be breathing. The unconscious mind takes care of so much for us. And in the process of the unconscious mind taking care of things for us, it has created patterns and habits based on similarities and differences and experiences. So a stigma we might get from ageism, sexism, 
um, racism, religionism, all of these different things that we immediately can tell differently, right? I might walk up to somebody who looks very much like me. I call I call myself a T-SWAM, tall, straight, white, American male. I'm a T-SWAM. And I got the acronym from a Pearl Jam song that is called WMA. It's White Male American. And I was like, well, that may have worked in the 90s, but there's a little bit more now, right? I'm also tall. There's discrimination or there's issues around that. People who are short tend to, quote unquote, have a Napoleon complex. And they might come at me with a little bit more of an intensity because I'm a foot taller than them. So height is absolutely something that can have a stigma attached to it. Also being straight versus any other variation that can have a stigma. Being white, there's a stigma to that. Being American, there's a stigma to that. Being a male, there's a stigma to that. It's this attitude and belief that could lead people to reject, avoid, or fear me based on a perception of me being different. If we were to chunk all the way up, this hierarchy of ideas, chunking all the way up, we're all humans. And if you go back to some of the episodes that I've taught more specifically in the tribe recently, about our unconscious motivators, you have certainty, uncertainty, love and connection, significance, contribution, and um, and was it values? How am I all of a sudden forgetting this growth? And it's growth. So you have these six unconscious motivators in your life. If you look at humans as all part of this one dynamic that we're all seeking certainty, variety, love and connection, significance, growth, and contribution in our lives, that we're not different at all. It's when you start to chunk down, which is what the hierarchy of ideas is, until you get all the way down at the base one. So I could walk up to somebody else who's a T-SWAM, but they could be born in Nebraska and I'm born in Oklahoma and I could all of a sudden decide that I'm going to have a stigma. Oh, you're from Nebraska. Oh, you're just a bunch of corn-loving, corn-fed, blah, 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 blahs. I used to live in Indiana. There was tons of jokes between Indiana and Kentucky. I used to live in Florida. Tons of jokes and tons of stigma around people born in Georgia and Florida. But in the end, we're all just humans. It's when we start to chunk down that the stigmas start to show up. Where you can begin to notice stigmas is how are you labeling people? How you label others is absolutely going to give you an indication of the stigmas that are present in your life. You'll notice stigmas being spread, this messaging, this this stigmatizing messaging being spread throughout news, entertainment, media, social media. It's happening everywhere because, let's face it, the the, the uchi-kuchi, oh, aren't you so cute puppy dog stories at the end of the news? For those of us who've ever seen the actual news that comes on at like 5, 6, or 10, or 11 p.m., it tends to be like opening up with car accident, and sh- somebody shot, and somebody attacked, and this is bad, and that is bad, right? If it bleeds, it leads. It's all bad, 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 bad. And then they go into weather, and then they go into sports, and then they probably throw in some more bad stuff or at the end it, but they'll tend to want to finish the news on a good note. And that's when it's like, look at all these cute, adorable puppies. You know, aren't they all so cute? And aren't they looking at them play and look at each other? They're so adorable because they want to lead you, leave you on a good note. It's because if it bleeds, it leads. Our minds are naturally drawn to more about the things that are perceived as bad or violent or because we were looking for ways to keep ourselves in this protective bubble. Bubble, right? We go back and look at uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, physiological needs, water, uh, water, warmth, food, water, shelter, warmth, 
sex. These are the, these are our five physiological needs. Once we get those taken care of uh, in some level of satisfaction, and satisfaction is different for everybody, then we go up to safety and security and belongingness needs. And when you start to, to realize that that certainty that we talk about within the six human needs, which is a Tony Robbins-led idea, that certainty is where we're also looking for food, water, shelter, warmth, sex. We're looking for that safety, that security that comes from having a, a relationship, that comes from having a home, that comes from having food available to us and, and water and things to keep our bodies nutri- nutritioned. You know, we need nutrients. Well, when we're looking for security, those things are important. And then we can start to look at the deeper ways of security. And when the news flashes all of this stuff that says, you're not safe, you're not safe, you're not safe, our eyeballs are drawn to it because we want to know ways that we can keep ourselves safe. So if there's ways that are happening around us that might lead us to being unsafe, we want to know. Our, our, our minds want to know what is happening out there when I leave my home or what is something that could show up at my home that could cause me to feel unsafe and less secure. I want to know so I can prepare for it, which is great and all until the anxiety and stress of all of these millions of different pathways life could take you down all of a sudden become what you think about all the time. So when we think about stigmas that we have towards other people whose attitudes, beliefs, values are different from our own, now we want to reject, avoid, or fear them because of how they might put our safety and security in jeopardy. Now all of a sudden we have a block to wanting to get to know people from different races, ethnicities, religions, whatever it might be. We just we have a block because it's like, oh my goodness, you see things differently, you look different, you value things differently. And that is a threat to the security I have in my bubble of my values, my beliefs, my opinions, my experiences, right? If you, if, if, you know, you are living in a, a, one certain ethnicity is all up in a neighborhood and then all of a sudden one, one family moves in of a different ethnicity. Now, all of a sudden they are the, the, the they are the token. They're, they're the ones who's, and I'm not notice I'm not mentioning any particular race here. So it can be for whatever one you happen to notice in your neighborhood, now, all of a sudden, you have this one family, right? Token is a, was a word that the media and, the, and, and, and different news organizations have attached. It's a stigma to call a family, call someone a token because they're in a certain friendship group, but they're the only one or there are very few of them. It's, it's in our language patterns that we start to associate these stigmas and actually normalize them. When what we're seeking to do is unnormalize the stigmas, begin to walk across the aisle and meet somebody different than you who has a different value system, different opinion system, a different belief system, because it's in getting to know these people that you actually begin to expand your own awareness of of the knowledge that is available to you of the life experiences that can come when you begin to, to experience the world around you differently than just the bubble you have created for yourself. When you notice yourself labeling other people, when you notice yourself labeling certain experiences, Ask yourself, are you stigmatizing a particular experience or a particular thing or place or people? Because it's within this stigmatizing that we begin to really build these walls that hold us back from from encouraging growth with one another. And there's three primary types of stigma that you'll notice. And first and foremost, it's the, the, the stigmatizing of self, right? Whenever you start to internalize um images of the society of community appear, whatever it might be, um, that caused you 
to feel like an outsider or try to push other people to become outsiders. No one has to be an outsider. No one has to exist outside of your world. You can choose to do that, but just understand it is a choice that you are making. Nobody has to be an outsider. You create that choice and then you make that decision. So whenever you start to ask yourself, how are you stigmatizing your own self? Right? I call myself a, a T-SWAM. Now, it's not something I hold tight to. It doesn't cause me not to meet other people. But when I think about how other people might label me, tall, straight, white, American male, absolutely would be five things that people could, would, if somebody was to look at me and say, let's describe Jesse and let's throw out five to 10 different things we could say about him, about how you would describe him to somebody else. There's a very good chance that T-SWAM is going to come up within one of those five to 10 if not all of them show up. So I could self-stigmatize myself by saying, well, because I'm a T-SWAM, I can only be friends with T-SWAMs. I can only hang out in bubbles that include T-SWAMs, which is not true. I have a very diverse and ethnically and religious and, and political affiliated richness to the people that I, I have around me. I actually seek that out because it's through their, their experiences and the stories they can tell me that I'm able to experience life differently even if it's not actually experiencing what they did experience for themselves, I can at least understand their stories. I can hear it from their perspective. And that's invaluable. Absolutely invaluable. There's also public stigma. And this, this can encompass the attitudes and feelings expressed by many in the general public towards a vast array of other people. Right. And so now you could have, you know, someone, you know, you could have an entire church of uh, First Southern Baptists and they could stigmatize somebody, uh, a church that's Jewish or Islamic or, um, you know, Catholicism, any of the other ones. Right? I mean, I'm, I moved to Alabama. I feel like there's a church on every corner and they all have a different name. You could stigmatize anybody else who goes to another church is not following your doctrine. Therefore, they're wrong. Therefore, they're either to be rejected, feared, um, whatever that might be. If you feel the need to reject and fear and avoid people from a different church, from a different background, right? Now, all of a sudden you have a, it's not just you, but it's a, it's a group of people. Now you have a public stigma coming into it. And I understand the desire for humans to subset themselves because there's 7 billion of us on the planet. So first we could subset ourselves by our nationalism and say, well, I'm from this country or I'm from this hemisphere. Notice I did it um, at the beginning of uh, last week's show when I was talking about enjoying the summer, about how, well, I'm in the Northern Hemisphere and I'm in the Western Hemisphere. So this is what's happening in our lives right now. This is an opportunity for me to subset our population to further, you know, Again, not meaningfully, not, I don't want to somehow put ourselves in a different bubble, but it's to give you perspective of the life that I am currently existing in. I live in the United States. You're going to have perceptions. When I say the United States, you will have images in your head of what the United States means to you. Now, those could be seen as stigmatizing. Those could be seen as negative if that's how you're choosing to see them. If you fear, avoid, or want to reject any of those images in your head because you don't want to be seen as American because you think that we're all, you know, commerce-driven and must own a bunch of stuff and we're all acting like the Kardashians, then that's a stigma that you're putting on. And if a lot of people in your community, in your country, think that way about America, now it's a public stigma. Now it's something bigger. Than what it is, and it's and it's 
it creates this new hole for you. It creates this new idea of what it is to be an American or tall or straight or white or, or, or male. Do you understand? I mean, I know this is totally clicking with you because we've noticed ourselves doing it. And it's not necessarily a bad thing if the energy around it isn't to discriminate or to bubble ourselves off or to reject, avoid, or fear other people. If it's just like, well, I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, cool, you're from Nebraska. That's dope. Well, tell me about your childhood. Oh, yeah, around a bunch of corn. Oh, yeah, I was you know around a bunch of poverty and a bunch of cities that were dying off because no one wants to live in Oklahoma. Mm, totally, I get that. So this is what was happening in my town, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the American downtown, the small American downtown is dead. And it's been dying off for years and revitalization techniques in certain communities aside, we're noticing how there really isn't much of a community in these smaller towns anymore just because of the way that the businesses have sort of stripped the downtown of its quaintness. Of, of, of people's desire to go downtown. And unless the community puts a lot of effort into creating reasons to go down there, all of a sudden that what once was a thriving hive in a downtown of a small, a small town is no longer important. And so we've noticed the, the, the way that these public stigmas could actually lead people to not wanting to revitalize their downtowns. Oh, well, now we have 33% Hispanic, 33% black, 33% white. Okay, well, let's figure out a way to get us all in the same area and get to talk and know one another. And, and let's strive for that inclusiveness, that, inclusiveness that, will, that will eventually bond us back together. When public stigma is really apparent in your in, in your community, in your environment, you will notice how people tend to just section themselves off by people who are more like them. And the last one is the in- institutional stigma. And this is when our institutions, our government, our media, our education system, our healthcare, right? Anything that the government can set up, anything that businesses can set up, anything that the media can set up, right? That's the, That's sort of like the trifecta. You've got the government, you've got the media, and you've got you've got businesses. So the commerce section, anything that those three can invent, that all of a sudden becomes the institutional stigmas, right? So now if we see certain people of a, of a certain race only able to go to this hospital or get this kind of insurance, or these schools aren't as well funded as these other schools because property values aren't as aren't as good because people of this particular race seen living in this particular area cause property values to go down. So this school system is, is not as good as that school system. The funding is lower, and now we have an institutional stigma. Oh, you went to that school? Oh, right? And the moment you say, oh, that's where those people live, that is a stigma. That is you making a snap decision, a snap judgment on what is going on in that neighborhood simply because of the socioeconomic background, the ethnicity, the age, whatever it might be that you you perceive as being abundant in that particular region of your town. Right? It's like where businesses want to put the factories on the poor side of town because it's like, well, screw those people. Land's cheap and who cares if they, if they breathe in crappy air? Well, people do, right? Let's figure out a way to put these factories out off isolated in an area where they won't be as damaging to everybody. And maybe by creating an environment that that's less stigma driven and more, you know, connective and love driven, we would all of a sudden be able to raise the property values, be able to raise the education standards, be able to give these people similar opportunities as people from a different side of town. In the institutions, the media, the media is using stigmatizing language patterns all the time. And that is absolutely a good place to use a universal qualifier like the word all. It is so apparent 
go and listen to anything. And it, go listen to any news report, and you are going to hear stigmatizing language. It's what they do because as soon as they can put it, as soon as they can take that story and put it off into a subset and put it off into this is what's happening to these people. If you're one of these people, you should care. If you're not one of these people, you should care because you should be grateful you're not one of these people. The stigmatizing language, the stigmatizing governmental policies, the stigmatizing way that businesses set up their their factories in certain you know geographies around certain people, it is apparent, and it is happening all the time. Now that I've brought it into your awareness, I just simply want you to ask yourself, where are you using stigmatizing language patterns? Where are you seeing public stigmatization of certain people, places, or things be, being very apparent to you now? And how are you going to notice moving forward and where and when are you going to notice moving forward how the institutions around you, perhaps even institutions that you are involved in, are using stigmatizing language? The more an institution that people believe in stigmatizes others, the more that the people who are members of that organization will begin to stigmatize on their own. It'll go from the institution like a church or a business it'll, you know, or an or a organization, right? It could be the NRA. It could be you know, what's big right now in the news, uh, pro-choice versus pro-life. You know, the more an institutional organization uses stigmatizing language about, oh, that's what those people are like. Then it's going to go to public, right? Now more of the public will leave that meeting. They'll leave that space where the institution is the one feeding them their agenda, their propaganda. They'll leave that space, and then now they'll go use it in a public forum. And if you feel really strongly about something, you will surround yourself by others who also believe in that. And now your public stigmatizing becomes even more widespread and and can grow even more rampant. Because if you get around the right kind of people who don't want to be ostracized by the tribe, they will join your stigmatizing organization. They'll join your public stigmatizing because they don't want to be seen as an outsider. They want to be inclusive. They want, they want to feel the certainty of not being ostracized. This group think comes from this. This is where group think comes. And then if you take the institutional stigmatizations and you take the public stigmatizations and now you bring it into your own house where you're now feeding this propaganda, you're feeding this, this point of view, you're feeding this model of word, model of, the, of your world to your own family members, to yourself on a regular basis, now it becomes self-stigmatizing. Now you're labeling yourself as something. Now you're rejecting, avoiding, and fearing people who don't believe the way you believe and feel the way you feel because you have created this entire confirmation bias that I am right and those people are wrong. And when we build a society based on I am right and you are wrong, there are going to be divisions. There will be metaphorical and in some case actual walls built up around people. We will build our fences taller and taller and taller. And the more isolated we become, one day we find ourselves completely on our own island. There's no one else there. And there could, be, there could very much become a time in our civilization, right, where we're attacked or, or our, our electric grid goes down or commerce or inflation. Things go haywire and all of a sudden you really need your neighbor's support. But you feel, you've built an eight-foot-tall fence and you don't even know their names let alone their kids' names. So now all of a sudden, knocking on their door and asking them for some sugar or a cup of tea or for a friendly conversation on a lonely night isn't an option. And it starts at the very top with institutional, then the public, then the personal 
stigmatization of rejecting, avoiding, and fearing people who are not like us. And then if you get this idea, you get on these internet sites that start feeding you information and you take on this stigmatizing behavior and now you've, you start labeling yourself, now you go out into the public looking for other people who are ready to stigmatize a subset of the population the way you want to stigmatize them. You get enough of y'all around, then you either create your own institution or you go find an institution who's already uh, pushing the propaganda and the manipulative techniques that you so seek. This is at its essence, what is crumbling our world. And even back in the pioneer days, even back when we were all getting on boats and coming over here and manifest destining this entire continent, there was stigmatizing. Oh, you're from Spain. You're from France. You're from Italy. You're from the Netherlands. Well, screw you. We're better. We're different. We, we are it. The captains of these ships may leave those countries and say, I don't really care what country you're from. You know, are you know, are you all about, you know, pirating? Are you all about helping? Well, cool. Now we're all captains, so now we have our own stigma around our own countries. We we're creating our own stigmas around our own crew. We're creating our own stigmas around what we think it means to be a captain, and we want only other captains who believe in our captaininess. And if you don't believe in captaining a ship the way I do, then I'm gonna fear, reject, or avoid you. We have been doing this as a species since back in the caveman times. And we are getting too big for our own britches. We are, there are too many of us. There are too many weapons of mass destruction. There are too many ways for us to hurt ourselves. If we continue to let stigmas run our thinking, run our beliefs, run our, run our actions and behavior patterns, we are going to continue to isolate ourselves off more and more. And there's only the inevitable destruction of ourselves that comes from that kind of behavior. Think about ways that you can change the world right now. That would be to release these stigmas. Walk across the aisle. Walk next door. Walk across the hallway of your own house. Reach out your hand and say, hey, I'd really like to understand your perspective on this. Could we sit down and have a conversation? Do that enough, and that becomes your new bubble where everyone's invited. And that, my friends, is inclusivity over exclusivity at its greatest. As always, the power of positive energy, release and flow. See you next week. Bye-bye. 